Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Hello and welcome to this week's Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I have Jo who's in London and she is 221 days sober today. So well done Jo. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are so we can get to know you. Okay so I'm 44 at the moment. I'm 45 in June. Um, I'm mum to two kids. Um, I started quite young so my son is 26 seven this year my daughter's 24 um I've also got a a husky malamute dog and a little fluffy black and white cat um I love them to bits um I'm a nurse I work in the NHS but I'm about to leave actually fully leave the NHS next week um so that's my job situation um I'm studying for my master's at the moment um and I love going to the gym I love running well I say I love running I like running, I suppose. <laughs> um, I love swimming and doing yoga. Um, massively love live music. Um, huge festival fan. I could go to a gig every every night. Well, maybe not every night, but, you know, I love it. Um, and I'm perimenopausal as well, which is a, a big factor in my story. Um, and I have uh, on and off suffered with anxiety, so another reason mm. for me to get booze. Um, and I just love animals. My my Instagram name says it all. Really, I, I love love the animals. Oh <laughs> wow! So, um, what are you studying? What are you doing a master's in? That's super impressive. So it's in professional practice. It's all to do with my nursing. So I've done it over the over the years, module by module. And I've just finished my last module, and I've got my dissertation to write in September. Wow! So I'm done. Um, yeah. yeah. So leaving the NHS, uh, have you worked wow. in the NHS all of your career? Um, I started my training late, actually. I, I've worked in loads of different jobs. When the kids were young, I worked in admin and um, I worked for a toy company. I worked at Blockbuster Head Office, Blockbuster Video, if anyone oh, remembers good old, that. Good old Blockbuster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I decided to start my training. So I didn't qualify as a nurse. I was 31. Oh, um, right. Yeah, so I've had a bit of an in and out. But since then, I've been in the NHS. Yeah, so it's been a long time. I'm a little bit institutionalised. Yeah, I was going to say, that's got to be quite a big, a big mm. change for you then moving out of the NHS are you staying in healthcare or are you having a complete flip yeah I'm not nursing as such I'm not but I am staying I'm working within a company that does research so it's um kind of um corporate kind of role but yeah yeah I got a lot lot of exciting stuff going on there um although (laughs) perimenopausal is probably not in that category um I'm interested in this and your story because um I don't believe I'm there yet, but that's kind of one of the things that's obviously for, for me, I'm the same age as you, I'm, I'm, I'm 45, but um, that's kind of, yeah, I know that's around the corner. So, um, but anyway, let's, let's go back a little bit and uh, yeah, describe your life with alcohol. Well, I think it's very similar to a lot of stories you've had, you know, people that are our age, I think our generation very similar but going right back to the beginning um I have very interesting parents because my dad um he's Northern Irish so he was a pioneer I don't know if you know what a pioneer is where they have the confirmation it's a Roman Catholic thing 
and they have their confirmation and they swear they'll never drink and they get a little wow. badge. And he was, I've got a picture of him um, with his little badge. Anyway, when he came over to England, um, he started drinking and basically became an alcoholic. So he oh. was an alcoholic for most of his life. Um, but my mum, teetotal, completely opposite, teetotal. Um, so she's um, 81 at the moment and she is, she's got such lovely skin and she's so energetic and healthy and you know, for her age, she's got hardly any long-term condition. She's fantastic. So I'm like, wow. But that's one of the factors that sort of made me think, hmm. Mm. Um, but my mum, well, we don't have a regular relationship. So it's a, that's a whole other podcast. Um, but she's got some undiagnosed mental illness. I don't know what it is. So I've had a bit of a had a bit of a childhood with the alcoholic dad and the Oh right. Um, yes. you know, so that's difficult. I don't really have much of a relationship with her, so that's that. So I feel like I've got a bit of an all or nothing attitude. I know you've covered this in quite a few of your podcasts. People seem to be, a lot of people seem to be all or nothing. Mm. I definitely fall into that category. And I think it could be because of those total opposites. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, so my dad's, you know, alcoholism, he, so many problems in our family because of it. Um, before I was even born, family was completely ripped apart by it all. Um, I was a baby. So I came along and he was still drinking and there were still problems, but it was a little bit better. But I spent a lot of my childhood looking for him with my mum in pubs because she would chuck him out. They'd argue she'd chuck him out. And then we'd have to traipse around the pubs looking for him in southeast London, which wasn't um, ideal, mm. but it felt normal for me. I didn't really know anything different. Um, yeah. So that was quite difficult. Um, he did actually give up the alcohol when he um, he got run over drunk. He got run over and it wasn't serious injury, but he was in hospital for a, a good while. I think it was about six weeks and he just had to go cold turkey and he did. And he never went back to it. Um, and he died in 2010. And even when he was terminally ill, he didn't touch a drop. He had it in the cupboards because he had family visiting and he always made sure he had drink for them. But he never touched it. So that was really interesting that he... Yeah to give up but it was yeah so that's that side of things um and in terms of my own drinking well like very similar to you know I've listened to your story and other stories I had my first drink at 11 um my friend and I were at a party so it was her family party she had relatives over from I think New Zealand and we were 11 and we were just going around finishing people's drinks which I think were like vodkas and spirits of some description and we were very drunk and very ill didn't touch it again for a while um and then like everyone else in the 90s you know 14 year olds we used to go to the park we used to get um stand outside the off license and get guys to buy us drinks I cringe when I think about it yeah, <laughs> yeah I, very the same for me yeah, it was the nine, that was the 90s wasn't it yeah it was awful so we'd get like diamond white I don't even remember diamond white. I do I, I drank it every week yeah, oh, wild drink. Um, twenty twenty and Thunderbird. Twenty twenty. I was I was sick on the waltzes after twenty twenty. Oh, Gross. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. So we would just hang around. We'd drink our diamond white on the streets or in the park, and mm-hmm. you know there was a party. We'd go bring a bottle of Thunderbird or was it white wine? white lightning? That white was lightning. really oh. that was really yeah, bad, wasn't it? There was K as well. K yes, cider. K K cider. Yeah, so that was, was bad. It? Was it about the cider? In the nineties, yeah, didn't even have lovely fruit ciders they have now. It was just like, so I don't know about, but it was just what we did. We did it in a group. (laughs) I was in a big group of friends. There were about eleven of us girls, and we used to hang around and with a group of boys, and we used to just do that, and that's what we did. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember one really (laughs) awful time when we were just look back and think, what was I doing? So we were at the back of a park somewhere, um, and I was drinking again 
probably the cider and everything else. And I was really, I must've been about 15 and um, got really, really drunk. And we were with some guys that we went to school with. And one of the guys, he always looked after me. He was like, you need to get on the bus, you need to go home. Got me on the bus, but I was so drunk, Terry. I was so drunk. I fell asleep. And you know what it's like when you fall asleep. If you're really drunk, you wake up and you feel sick, don't you? Mm. I woke up and I was sick. <laughs> oh, dear. It chucked me off. I'd missed my stop. I was in, I lived here and I'd gone here and I was, he chucked me off in the middle of, this is like late at night, in the middle of nowhere. Not in the countryside, obviously, in London, but still, I was just covered in sick and just standing on the side of the road. So dangerous, though, isn't it? I look back and think, my kids, oh, my God. Um, And I remember this guy stopped and gave me a lift home. And I look back at that now and think, wow, because I don't remember getting home. I remember waking up in my bed and I remember him turning to me and going, oh, you're really pretty or something like that. And I remember getting up in my bed. I don't think anything happened, but it was that blackout, you know, where you just wake up and go, oh, my God. Doesn't stop you though. I mean, it didn't stop me. You know, we, mm. me and my friend, we had a night where we got really drunk again and we decided let's stay out all night. So we slept in an alleyway. What were we did? I don't know what. It was just what we did. Um, I'm mm. not alone in that because I've listened to all of your podcasts. Yeah. We're, all, we're all in the same boat there. Um, and then we would go when we got to about 16, we would try and get into nightclubs in central London. So we'd go, do you remember, we used to have the, um, Child travel cards, you could get into London really cheaply on the little child travel card. The equivalent to me out of London, because wow. I, I was in Leicester, but I yeah. used to get on the bus for a half, which was basically, okay. you know, like a yeah. junior fee, yeah. but then get into yeah. Crystal's nightclub that's in town amazing. for yeah. over 18. Yeah, so that's what we did. We all used our travel cards and then we went and got into nightclubs. We all dressed up and we got in. It was not a problem. I think back then... I know it's different now. I think girls do look, they look older, I think, than we probably did then. Yeah. But we still managed to get in somehow with, you know, badly. I think there was a lot of turning the blind eye back then, to probably. be honest. So, same as people that were in the corner off licenses. That Yeah, because I, I used to go in and buy alcohol at 15 for all of my friends wow and and I don't know why I I don't know I just I kind of was quite chatty had a bit of the gift of the gab when I was that age but I I must have looked underage seriously I mean that isn't it yeah. And I think about the guys that we used to get to buy us drinks, they knew we were underage. I mean, I think if someone asked me to buy them a drink, I'd be like, no. But yeah. then who knows? But um, so that was my like teenage years. And I think like when I was a bit younger, I'm going back a bit now, but my sister, she was my family all they all drink. Nobody was put off by my dad, weirdly. Um, my sister had to have her stomach pump when she was a teenager. I must have been about nine. She was in hospital, had her stomach pump because they broke into her friend's parents' drink cabinet and just drank everything. So you know, nothing seemed to put me off. And I'm so actually surprised that didn't happen to me, that I didn't get put in hospital mm. with the stuff I got in because some of the stuff we did, it was not great. So that was, ooh, that was that. Um, that's my teenage yeah. years. And then I had a bit of a gap because what happened when I was 16, I met my future husband. So I met him. Um, I was still drinking. We were on holiday and we used to get bought drink. We used to get the drinks, serve drinks at the bar myself and my friend. We were 16. They knew we weren't 18, but they farming liked us so they just yeah. used to give it you know. I was going to say if it's relaxed in this country it's probably oh. twice as relaxed abroad at that Imagine. same period yeah yeah so then I met met him and uh we fell you know madly in love and whatever anyway so fast forward a bit we got married I got pregnant got married um and then because back then this was at 96 and I had my son in 96 yeah so 
it wasn't the same drinking culture in terms of the, the teenage drinking culture was very much a mm. thing. But in terms of people didn't drink at home as much. No, I think. they didn't. It wasn't the mummy wine. Mm. There wasn't that yet. Yeah. Um, I know my mum didn't drink, but I know my parents' mums, they didn't drink at home. It wasn't something that was done. I think people couldn't afford it back in those days as well because it's quite expensive. Yeah. I don't think you I don't think you could get as much access to it as well. You definitely had to go, I think, quite a lot to the off license. It wasn't like when you go to the supermarket now and there are three aisles of alcohol. That's true. Yeah, so maybe that's it. Because I remember my sister always take getting her pennies together to go get a bottle of blue nun from the offie. We had to go to the offie for it. So so I had a break because obviously I had the, you know, I had my son um and then I had my daughter three years later. So I was obviously like this young mum, not in a great relationship because we were too young. I mean, God, it was never mm. going to work. So um wasn't very happy, but, you know, that was that. Um, and then we split up. So we split up in 2001. So it wasn't very long, but mm. I had two toddlers. Yeah. Gosh, five, that must have been old, hard. Four and a bit year old and an 18-month-old. Um, and then I was on my own in this house with them and my friends were, so I must've been what, 22, 23 then. And all my friends were off going on holiday, mm. going out clubbing, like they were going to festivals, raves. I think raves were the thing then, weren't they? Mm-hmm. I was missing out on everything basically. Um, and then I did have some alcohol at home. It wasn't quite the same as the mummy wine culture now, mm. but you could occasionally get a bottle of wine. And I remember one night, well, this must've been, it must've been 2001 where Germany and England were playing football. I don't even watch football, but anyway, I watched it and I drank a whole bottle of wine watching it. I don't know what that was about, but that was insane. But I was just so lonely, so lonely and just felt like, what am I doing? Why? This is my life. You know, it was kind of depressing. Yeah. God, that must have been, sorry, that must have been really, really tough because um, I uh, have talked about this before on the podcast but I was a single parent for quite a short amount of time, really, I suppose, re- relatively. Um, but I was 39, mm. a single parent for a year and a half or so, or, or a couple of years. Um, and I found the loneliness yeah. crippling. Yeah, and so, but I was I was so much older. I mean, for you, how old would you have been? Early 20s. Yeah, I mean, it's when I was yeah, first, I mean, you know. Traveling. That must have been so hard for you. A lot of my friends, when I was a single parent, they were mums as well. Yeah, yeah. And so exactly. I didn't have a lot to. I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong. I really miss company, but I didn't have massive FOMO all the time. Like, no, like you exactly. said, I could have wine at home. But for you in your earlier twenties, and then having all your friends going on their holidays and just doing all of that carefree stuff that you should be doing, I suppose, in your twenties. It must be difficult if you're on your own in that situation. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. I mean, I think it made me, I think I grew up quite quickly. I think I've always been a bit of a, I've always got on well with older people. Like when I used to work anywhere, I'd always get on well with the older people, you know, because I think I was just quite mature. Mm. Um, I think somebody I used to work with said I was the oldest 17-year-old he'd ever met, which is, I think it was a compliment, but, you know, anyway. So, yeah, yeah, so that was an interesting year. Um, The kids would go to their dads um, occasionally, and then I would go mad out with my friends. We'd go wild, um, go drinking, dancing, and, you know, Mm. all those behaviours. I'd go mad because, obviously, I got out. I was out. I was free. Mm -hmm. Um, And luckily, you know, luckily, two of my friends also had kids a bit young. They weren't as young as me, but in their 20s, they'd had a um, couple of them had babies. So we had similar, we had that similar single mum. They were all single mums as well, so... That was all good. Um, and then I met somebody in 2002 and we got together 
And again, it was just part of the, it's just part of what you do when you get together with somebody, isn't it? Go out, have dinner, drink. Yeah. You know, you have nights in and you drink. And that was when it was starting to come in that around that time. Um, and that was just part of what we did. Um, and I remember <laughs> X Factor. Do you remember back in the day with X Factor? And I used to um, make sure I had like a big bag of Doritos and a couple of bottles of rosé and I'd just be drinking it. And eating. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. awful. Um, but like, like you keep saying, and I, I, I love that because I think it's so true. It wasn't abnormal at the time. Like when you look back now, obviously it feels crazy to be having that kind of lifestyle. But everybody, well, not maybe not everybody was doing it, but but a lot of my, I drank like a lot of my friends and like a lot of people around me were drinking and it all just felt very normal, didn't it? Absolutely, nobody would, you know, I think didn't really realise it. It was, it was, you know, becoming a bit of an issue, but I think one of the things was my, I don't know how old my daughter was, she was at second, no, primary school, sorry, and she did a picture of me um, and I think she seen me hungover, which I really regret her seeing me hungover, but it, it happened, it's, it's done. Um, but she did a picture and it was me with a glass of wine and she didn't know what hangover was, so she'd written on there, mummy is drunk. Oh, do you imagine the teacher, what they must have thought? But I wasn't, I was hungover, but she didn't. So this picture yeah. of me, oh my God, it was just awful, awful, awful. yeah. But I do think, actually, um, that that's probably quite common. Because mm. I, I remember when I was a kid, I used to copy my mum, and she drank a lot. She drank quite heavily. She was one of the people that did drink at home. So it's quite interesting when you were saying that about the whole mm. kind of people didn't really drink at home. But my mum drank whiskey every night at home. I, I think she might have been alcoholic. She was certainly definitely grey area, dark grey area drinker. But... um she smoked as well and so I used to cut straws when I played mums and dads with my friends and I would be drinking wine and and pretending to smoke at at 10. It's interesting because both of mine actually my son said he wouldn't he was never going to drink when he grew he was got to like 18 he was like I'm never going to drink I don't like it he does drink he loves his gin but he doesn't drink very much and my daughter hardly drinks at all like you know hardly at all she's rather mm. dry. So yeah. It's interesting I haven't got and she did have a wild teenage sort of bit yeah well, some didn't some didn't have the wild teenage but he was quite sensible and then he went to uni and then he had a bit of a drink you know then but it's lucky they haven't picked up on my the way I was in terms of that which is good it does seen it does feel anyway. though like um teenagers are kind of they're more health savvy yeah. and health conscious Definitely. aren't they they're more it's kind of more likely time. to gravitate to the gym or maybe social media, watching people doing sort of working out and eating well. And yeah, yeah I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's, it's as bad. Yeah. No, no, it's definitely not like it was when we were like teenagers and young, mm. young people. So, so that was, so that was that sort of, and that carried on. And I think I was thinking about this obviously in lead up to coming on here and just thinking about my reasons. Why did I drink like that? And I was in that relationship with somebody who was not the right person for me it was a, I don't know what, what I was doing but um I was just so unhappy deeply unhappy and I used mm. to probably drink to just numb that mm. I think mm. um so yeah so there was we used to go I used to work in research back then as a research nurse and we used to go away they take us away every year to Oxford for a lovely um investigator meeting where we'd go and have an update on the study we were working on and we'd meet other nurses and we all became friends and it was free drink. So you'd go and there'd be free drink all night long, free food. Um, we were in this gorgeous place in Oxford, beautiful, one of the lovely like colleges. And they had all the wine, drank all the wine. Then they brought out the port, lovely port from the cellars. It was gorgeous. 
I spilt loads of port on myself. And I was in the toilet trying to get it off with red with white wine. Like I was just spilling mm. wine on myself. Oh my God. <laughs> Didn't stop drinking that night. And then they helpfully decided to put on a free bar afterwards because we haven't had enough wine with our dinner, obviously. Free bar, anything you want, so drinking spirits. And that night I remember just crying and just being so drunk and crying about how unhappy I was. And then going back to the accommodation and um being sick everywhere in the just awful and that is a theme with my drinking back then not so much in the last decade but over the years I've been sick so many times Mm. like it's not even funny like I had two years in a row where I was sick at the Christmas do where when I worked at Blockbuster I was sick the first year on the coach and I went back the second year and was sick again can you imagine like Oh. oh the shame of it the absolute shame of it um just constantly always being sick I had a night out I was a student nurse and we went out with the A&E crew they can drink now that's a whole other level people that work in A&E can drink which that blows my mind though yeah. as well because they must see we, so yeah, we many did. people in yeah. a bad way through Awful. alcohol and drugs and things literally on night shifts you'd see people just they'd put a mattress on the floor because they couldn't be on the on the trolley because they'd fall off and they'd be rolling around the floor these people so that was like that cognitive dissonance where you're like I see this is happening but I'm going to drink because I need to cope with it because it is a really hard job I can imagine yeah a lot of trauma as well you probably see a lot of things that you can't get rid of in your mind no and I think that's that is uh, nurses and doctors as as a whole we are tend, tend to be quite a lot of drinkers but um, I went out that night with A&E and I was so nervous um, and I didn't eat my dinner. We had dinner, but I didn't touch it. And I drank. You know, when you drink, you don't feel hungry. You keep drinking yes. the wine. So yeah. ill, so, so ill that night. Um, I was with my ex-partner at the time and I woke up in the morning um, or I might have done it in the night. I can't remember, but I basically just leant out of the bed and was just sickle down the side of the bed. It was just <sighs> awful. That's just a handful. There's more. I don't want to tell you all my vomit stories, but there are many of them, basically. Um, he got up the next morning. He never got out of bed early. He was up. He was like, I hope you're proud of yourself. He was so, like, upset with me, which is fair, to be fair. It's not very nice, but I felt pretty bad already. Um, mm-hmm. Same person. I was sick in a moving car while he was driving when he picked me up after a night out as well. So, yeah, there was a lot of that going on. Oh, God. Um, oh, so that was, you know, and that was when I maybe started thinking about, mm, you know, then dry January kind of became a thing. I think maybe about maybe I can't remember what year it was. I tried a dry January. It must have been maybe 2011 or something like that. So were you in your sort of early 30s? I yeah, I would have been yeah, early 30s by that point. Yeah, yeah. So I'd, I'd done my nurse training. So obviously changing career that was a big thing. Um, and then I was with that partner, but we didn't live together. So I was bringing up the kids on my own, doing the nurse training very demanding like academic work plus going on placements and like you say dealing with so much like just life death and life and just yeah and, and, and oh, yeah. it was just awful um but I did enjoy it I, I really loved it um and I was doing that and then I did this dry January and um, this was a time another research trip where we were taken to Frankfurt so I went with a colleague and she was like in her 60s but she was a little bit of a she loved to drink um and I was like, I'm not drinking. I'm just not going to drink. We're going to Frankfurt. It's January. I'm staying with my dry January. And um, at the evening dinner, we were talking and we met this consultant. And I was just saying, I think because I was sober, obviously, and I wasn't drinking. I was thinking about the, the food in Germany and uh, how my mind works, how they eat a lot of meat. And I was just saying, I wonder what like, the heart disease, you know, risk is like here, because there's a lot of meat consumption. And this doctor just looked at me and went, you need to have a drink. <laughs> I was 
was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm also really boring, you know, like it's just how my mind works. I'm just quite, I analyse things and think about things. But she was just like, you need to have a drink, seriously. You know, just like, oh, I remember that really clearly thinking, really? it can't be fun, like if I'm not drinking, yeah. you know. I'm did that thinking. make you feel in that moment, did that make you feel like you weren't being fun? You weren't on yeah. the fun train. Yeah, yeah totally. I felt like... Yeah. like um, and I always think back to Fun Bobby from Friends. I don't know if you watch Friends, but there's a character yeah. Fun Bobby. And he, everyone loves him. He's so much fun. Then he gives up drinking. They realise he's not fun at all. And I always, that was one of the things I think probably that held me back for so long. Because I thought, I don't want to be like Fun Bobby. It's just, so, like the that. social conditioning is just, yeah. nuts, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's quite frustrating, to be honest, that... You know, you were clearly getting, and I, around the same time, I was the same in my sort of, I had my first stint of being sober at okay. 30. I yeah. did eight months because I got into trouble and I, and I just, yeah, I, I kind of had to do it. Um, and it just frustrates me that, that back then, I remember as well, people were just saying to me all the time, friends and oh god you just need a drink like or loosen up or do this or yes, do that yes. and I think I looking back I was probably really trying to be myself who yes. I really was yes. and actually I would have learned in that situation that who I am is not good enough and I had that underlying feeling all my life and I think a lot yes, of same. us do yeah, yeah I think a lot of us yeah. do but those sorts of scenarios cement that mm. belief don't they because it's not a fact it's a belief but yeah, that of kind of narrative you know friends was such a big show I did watch friends and I don't know why I can't remember Von Bobby oh, I'll have to, I'll have to yeah, find the maybe, you and send yeah. you what number it is because it is very interesting and obviously all my friends drank and you know you'd be like people would say why aren't you drinking if you weren't like pregnant or driving or whatever it'd be like mm-hmm. go on have just one and it would never stop and I remember around that time thinking what if I was religious person who didn't drink for religious reasons you wouldn't be saying yeah. to somebody you know yeah. oh, go on just one or why do we feel like and I've, I've heard this a lot I, I think on your podcast and other podcasts where alcohol is the one drug you have to justify not yeah. taking yeah like, anything else yeah. if you're like people are saying to you you know do you do heroin no I choose not to do heroin everyone's like great but alcohol oh yeah. you're the oddity you know and yeah or you have the people going oh it's really admirable well done pat on the back I'm like you mm. know it's, I don't know it's like that weird I feel like I'm going all around the houses. Sorry, Terry, but I've just I've just remembered I did have a, a little stint with trying like yourself. I did a five month stint. Oh, did you? Um, around thirty? About yeah, around mid, uh, what year was it? Two thousand and eight or nine? So that would have been yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, and it was after the A and E night. It was after I'd been sick up down the side of the bed, and I felt such shame. And the reason why it was really awful was because that the next two nights I had to go and do two night shifts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're hungover already and then having to do night, I was so ill for the whole weekend. And everyone in A&E, laugh, they were laughing at me, talking about me. It was awful. So I was like, you know what? I'm giving up for a while. I gave up for five months. I was so chuffed with myself. That's brilliant, though, isn't it? Brilliant. Um, and then I went for, because I was still a student at this point, I went for my job interview with the job I went, um, ended up getting on a ward. And the sisters on the ward, they said, oh, you don't drink. And then they went, oh, just wait till you start this job. You'll start again. Oh, for God's sake. Um, but they were right. Yeah. Um, because then I was obviously dealing with as a qualified nurse it's a completely different ball game you know the first shift you turn up and there's people on death's door and it's just it was really busy ward it was cardiology it was it was crazy my dad was also um dying as well so it was a lot of stuff going on mm. so I 
once I went back to it, I went back to it. And I think a lot of people mm. have a break and they go back to it even go harder. Yeah. Uh, so that was how I kind of, that's where I was at. So I'd always I flirted with sobriety quite a few times. And I've always, the last few years, always been like, come on now, why do we have this narrative? And, you know, in my mind, but I still thought I can't do it. And I think I even sent you a message saying, I can't imagine not drinking again, like ever, because it feels like, oh my God. Um so that's yeah so it's been like a thing I've flirted with um mm-hmm. and then I split up with my partner which was the right thing to do we went right for each other so two failed relationships behind me um obviously not happy you know trying to fill a hole um but I did meet somebody else um and we got together and again revolved around drinking everything mm-hmm. we met out drinking when we got together I'd go to his place bring a bottle of wine bring him a few beers you know it was just lots of drinking so that was kind of you know, yeah. carried on. And he moved in. He's we're still together. Um, he moved in in 2015, and you know we were we did hit it quite hard. We'd get like you know he works in uh, NHS as well, so we would you know we'd, at the weekends and stuff mm-hmm. or when he was off, we would hit it quite hard at home as well mm-hmm. as out. So I think, was, don't you? You believe, and I I was the same. You believe that that is the way that you relax. That is the way that you de-stress. I hear it on uh, yeah. with my colleagues at work all the time um, that they'll say, oh, it's been a horrendous day. I cannot wait to open the wine. And the other one will say, oh, I've got the wine already ready at five. And I, I never say anything, but that was what it was like. And that that that's the belief, isn't it? That wine is going to help you to relax. So you can see why with you and your husband, especially when you work in the same um, yeah. industry which is quite hardcore industry um why you would do that weekends yeah it's, it was bad and you know it was I've got so many of you look at your Facebook memories um you know whatever Instagram memories and maybe not Instagram but Facebook picture of a glass of wine with me saying mm. oh I need a really hard day because you know I was in a stressful job mm. and I just felt like I just needed to de-stress and that was how I did it that was how yeah. I did it having a few glasses of wine and um and then over the next few years, obviously, anxiety got quite bad. So I think I've always had anxiety. I'm a very, I'm always like rushing around. I'm very like, you know, energetic person. I think I worry a lot. I've been worrying since I was a child about mum and dad when I was little dying. I think I've always had it, but didn't know I had it because mm. we didn't really know about anxiety back then, did we? No. So I think it was getting bad in around 2019 time, Um um, and then went to a family party. This is this is kind of one of the turning points, really. Went to a family party with my parents, partner's parents live in Norfolk. So I went to Norfolk. They had a lovely family party, but I thought it was just the immediate family. It was like a load of people that I didn't know. And I think my anxiety was quite at that point and probably a bit of depression, to be fair. I was feeling very like no joy in anything. Um, and I got to this party. We'd driven there. It had been a horrible journey. And I got there and there was all these people I didn't, didn't know. And I just felt so like, oh, my God. And I think there's a video of them because they had a band on where his dad's in a band. And there's a video of everyone dancing, my partner and his sister and his brother, they're all dancing. But I'm not in the video because I was just standing there because I couldn't move. I couldn't enjoy it. I just couldn't. It was really strange. Um, and what I did, what did I do to make myself enjoy it? Mm. Drank. So I drank. Yeah pint of you know the ready-made like mojito things yeah kind of that and then I was up singing with somebody and yeah. we were on it it was fine I was relaxed and yeah. then we were on pink gin and prosecco together 
that is vile. That sounds then, rank, to be honest. It was awful, but I needed <laughs> I, I felt like, okay, I can relax now, which is an awful way to be. Um, and I was sick as well that night, which is awful being sick at his parents' house. But, I, you know, I wasn't the only one, to be fair. But that was um, when I realised something was going on with my mental health. I think it was my job. I've been in a quite a stressful management role for a few years, and I, I was, I'd been fucked fighting a lot to get that going and it had been really short staffed and it'd been very stressful so my mental health was going quite badly um and then t- 2020 came yeah and COVID, um mm. and it was self-soothing behavior a hundred percent I was drinking a glass of wine at least every night um I was anxiety was like peak level mm. uh, my service that I, I ran shut down to, so we all got redeployed so we had to go and help out on the war I went to a COVID ward, then I got COVID. My partner was redeployed to ITU. It was awful. So on our time at home, we just wanted to drink, you know. We just wanted to, and it was and that lovely summer we had, didn't we? When we yeah, you know, it was baking. Yeah. But when we weren't working, then we were in the garden drinking. Like party mode, wasn't it? It was, it was. I remember, yeah. you know, drinking and and you know, just constantly drinking, just throughout of it, all of it, just to self-soothe, just completely. Um yeah, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I think a lot of people's drinking went right up during COVID. And, you know, understandably, it was a really scary time. I think for me, um, the very beginning of COVID, where the, on the news every day you saw a nurse had died, another nurse had died, another nurse had died. I thought, I'm going to die. Yeah. This was how it felt. We didn't know anything. And it was just really scary. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was horrible. And then we had the second wave. And again, we went back to our normal job. Then we got redeployed. It was just all over the place again. Mm. Um, and that was in January 2021. That's when I had my burnout, complete burnout. I just thought I can't do this anymore. And I had to take, I think I took eight weeks off work, just Gosh. signed off sick. My manager said, you need to get signed off sick. You are not, you can't do this. I was at my lowest, you know, not just anxious, but super depressed as well. So just awful. Um, so all I could do most mornings, barely get out of bed in the morning. And all I could do is watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I just watched, you know, binge watched. And I started on medication, antidepressants, um, and they, when you start them, a lot of side effects and a lot of mm. this. So that was kind of, I was off, you know, off work and I definitely wasn't drinking as much. I think I still was drinking, even though you're not supposed to drink on those tablets, but I still was drinking, but it wasn't so so much. Um, and then I went, after I'd had my eight weeks, I felt ready to go back to work. So that was all good. Um, well, you know, it was stressful but it was it was fine um and I'm trying to think where I've got up to now sorry I've got lost my thread no, it's fine so I think we're about 20 2021 getting 2021 going into 22 yeah. yeah yeah so 2021 everything kind of got a bit back, back to normal didn't it a little bit better um and I was definitely starting to become I guess sober curious for sure yeah. um and then I went to Ireland because my dad is from Northern Ireland. He's got lots of family over there. And I'd gone over for a conference. So I thought I'll make a little trip to my family. Um, and I went over and I'd done the conference, gone gone to my cousin's house. And we sat there. She made me dinner. We had a cup of tea. And I was like, I'm going to have a cup of tea. I'm really tired from the conference. going to go to bed early, you know. And then her husband's like, shall I open a bottle, wee bottle of rosé? And we're like, oh, go on then. Anyway, as they say, the crack was good. The crack was good drinking 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 he just kept topping us up and then I was obviously emotional because you know my auntie was there my dad I was like crying about my dad it was just very it was um anyway really very drunk went to bed about one o'clock in the morning um and was sick again sick but I had an ensuite bathroom which was lovely they have a lovely big house so I was in the ensuite and I cleaned it all up there and then but 
I felt horrendous. You know, you lie in bed and the, the room is spinning. Yeah. Um, and that was horrible. And then you wake, you know, in the night you wake up and you just, oh, it's just horrible, isn't it? Um, mm. And the next morning I went up, got up and I felt like death. Um, and I sat opposite my cousin's husband. We had a coffee. And then I started to get suddenly just everything, just a cold sweat broke out and I started to shake and I had to go and be sick again. It was really bad. I think I had alcohol poisoning. Um and he said, do you know how much you got through last night? You and Sonia, he said, you got through uh, four and a half bottles of rosé between you. I mean, is it any wonder? Is it any wonder? Um, and that was, I was only there for a weekend and I had to visit all my family members. Visiting them, went for lunch with one of them, went to you know, like a nice scenic place. I felt like death the whole time. I could hardly eat. I was just so sick. And they got a lovely, like, takeaway that evening, like, just, like, a couple of mouths. It was awful, you know. Oh. And they have a bar in their back garden, Terry. They have a bar, proper bar. They're like, oh, well, we go to the bar tonight. So I was like, yeah, but I'm bringing my cup of tea with me. I would not touch alcohol. My cousin was back on the vodka, but I was like, no. Um, and then the next night, I think I had this one cocktail with my dinner. That was it. I was very much, oh, I don't want to do this. And that, I think, was the massive turning point for me where I started to think, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore. Um, I worked with a lovely girl who, young girl, she's only 30, but she didn't drink very much at all. Like she wasn't sober, but she probably drank once every six months. She just didn't like how it made her feel, just didn't drink. So I talked to her quite a lot um, and thought, yeah, I'm going to just see what, what happens. So I stopped drinking at home and I stopped drinking, you know, as much. So not like I was drinking every night, but I didn't have it at home. I only drank if we were going out. So I really reduced and I was, you know, flirting with sober curious movement um so we're kind of coming up now really to sort of me getting sober but what happened was my sister got diagnosed with breast cancer um and she's just coming out the other side of it now having her treat finished her treatment had chemo and everything um but I'm well aware of the risk of breast cancer and alcohol um and being a nurse I'm very much so I go to the gym I try and do all these things I'm very much a I'll try everything so I do meditation I do the cold showers I'll you know everything you can throw at yourself for wellness and Mm. you know health um and I'm very much prevention you know very much like if you can be screened like go and get screening get your smear test get Mm. your mammograms because yeah you could get hit by a bus right tomorrow but what if you don't and then you have to live your life do you want to live your elderly years mobile and quite fit and get to do things with like your family or do you want to live them with a chronic illness so I'm very much about that so Mm. it it just made no sense to me to carry on yeah Do you know what? It makes my hair stand on end um, because it is. it was exactly the same for me. And I'm still mildly obsessed about protecting my future health. Like, oh, I don't yeah. know whether that's something maybe. that happens in your 40s as well. Maybe, like maybe, maybe. maybe it coincides. But I, I, unlike you, I had kids quite late, really. My children came along 35, 37 mm. and 43. Mm. Um, so... I uh, know that, and I've got three daughters, and I really want to be there when yeah. they're, you know, have, getting married or having their babies if, if they have them, and yeah. also being able to look after them so that they can go back to work or they can just have some time for themselves. And so when I do the sort of maths in my head, I think, okay, I'm 45 now. Uh, if the children are 30, that's uh, sort of 75. Okay, they might just be having kids when I'm 75. Like, I want to be really active and healthy at 75, 85, 95. And the lifestyle that I had just fallen into and had adopted and kind of was kind of like blindly just 
carrying on, that is not going to result in me being a healthy pensioner. And like you say, like no one knows what's around the corner, but um, I just am also equally as concerned about that. And I'm trying to do things now. Like I've just started taking lots of vitamins. I've been researching and I take very good quality vitamins and, you know, all these sorts of things, cold water therapy, like doing regular exercise, trying to make sure that I'm consistent. Cause one of the things I'm really bad at is I'm, I flip-flop all the time. Like I'm into something and then I get out of it. And, exactly then I, the same. and it's just so annoying. And I just think, oh. come on, <laughs> come on, Terry. Yeah, exactly. Just try and stick to it. So, so I uh, think about that all the time, that, that sort of future. But, and that's why I loved it when you said about your mum, who is Tito, oh. she's 81. She's a walking example of good she health. really is. Yeah. And that's, yeah, great. She and that's, really is. Well, she can... She can go up flights of stairs, no issue. Like, you know, eight, I know I've looked after patients much younger than that that can't do that. Yeah. You know, she's completely bonkers, but she's physically very well, you know, and she has skin. I always look at her skin and think she's got lovely skin as well. Great skin, yeah. And um, do you know what? It's quite interesting because I, again, relate to your um, your story of your early life because my mum was sort of the big drinker, but my dad was teetotal, completely oh, teetotal. Um, and growing up, I remember everybody used to give him a hard time for not drinking because my family, uh, half of them, my half of my family is Scottish and uh, they always loved the parties and things. And my dad was always being ridiculed for not being a drinker, which I really remember. But my dad is 87 now. And unfortunately, he he although mentally he's amazing, physically he has deteriorated quite a bit. Yes. But he so it's not just about the alcohol piece here. It's about what you said as well, the activity yes. and the yoga and parties yeah. and all those sorts of things. Like for me, I think it's it's not yeah. drinking alcohol and putting that kind of poison into my body every week but also it's having the get up and go to try and stick to better habits and do things like yoga and stretch and making sure that the hips are flexible and all these sorts of things because I do think that that they're both important especially for when you get older and I think you can't you don't have that get up and go if you've got a hangover do you no you exactly know, we we've all been there for cancelled plans or you know you oh I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow I'm going to do this I'm not doing anything you know yeah. and then you're eating like you know I used to love a good McDonald's with a strawberry milkshake that was my hangover cure or full fat coke and cheesy chips or something you know and it's not I'm not I'm very much about eating whatever you want but I just think you know it isn't the most nutritious of choices and you might not do that if you weren't hung over so it all yeah. comes to you don't you don't want avocados and walnuts when you're hung over do you you, you, want, want, you want stodge and you want yes yeah, yeah. And, and all the yummy stuff um yeah so yeah so that's kind of where I got to I hadn't given up at that point but that was where I got to and flirting flirting with it still I think yeah it was becoming more of a possibility yes um, yeah so what made you take the jump because I don't think I have a rock bottom story like a lot of people do mm-hmm. I think and obviously that island issue was a you know that was a big issue the alcohol poisoning that was pretty bad mm. but um, I was looking at the sober curious stuff online on Instagram and things like that and then we had um Glastonbury because we'd had it booked for COVID but then it got cancelled you know by both years so we went to Glastonbury finally in 2022 and 
because you can bring your own drink to Glastonbury. So, you know, most festivals you have to buy the drinks, but you can bring your own drink to the bit. Right. So, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really good way of saving money. So we used to bring our little rucksack full of drinks. So we'd have like, I'd have cans of, I like fruity cider. So, or I used to like the pre-mixed cans of, um, you know, the pre-mixed cocktails and things. But I'd have those cans. Um, and I remember we were just drinking all day long. You'd drink, you'd go out, start, your first, watch your first gig at like 11am and start drinking. And I just remember aside from the one day where there's this thing you'll find this quite funny there's this thing called the I can't remember what it is an an acronym for it but it's basically the big Wednesday piss up by the tree or something it's called it's got like a yeah anyway you have to bring a pink umbrella and you have to bring your own flavored vodka you've made yourself so you buy vodka and you flavor it with different things and then you all just bring shot glasses and swap and drink what Didn't the, people used to do that with Skittles and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's evolved a lot, this one, because you can make all sorts. So I made Mary, Murray Mints and Cherry Drop Vodka, which and both vile anyway. I don't even like shots. I never did like I, them. But anyway. I always hate oh. vodka, to be oh. honest. It's too hot. Shots have always been a thing. Yeah. That I just, why, you know? Um, so we've got, that was the only day I got quite drunk. So we were all just drinking shots of this vo- like straight vodka for like two hours. So my God, I was like, like this. But other than that, I was drinking all day long on the other days and I wasn't drunk. I didn't feel drunk because, you know, you're just drinking and you don't, you kind of thought, why am I, what's, not that I need to get drunk, but why am I drinking? I could be just drinking soft drinks here. What's the point? Yeah. Like, it feels a lot of stuff to put in my body. I'm not really, what's the point of it? And I think that was my... I don't know. I just thought, no, I'm going to just get when I get home. I think it's a good time just to see how I go. And I'm going to try to go for 100 days. So I went, I'm going to try for 100 days. I thought maybe, I think I actually started off with a month. Maybe then it went to 100 days, you know, as yeah. it does. That's what happens. This is one since Glastonbury. I got home from Glastonbury. And, um, but a lot of stuff was going on as well around that. So I said I was perimenopausal. So I've had, I had horrendous symptoms, hot flushes, anxiety was worse. There was so many things, like there's a myriad of symptoms, but that was going on and then I had really bad IBS which I've had on and off over the years but again I think the perimenopausal and mm. made it flare so I was just having these awful stomach problems and I just so all of that was making me think as well why am I this can't be helping and everything you read about it says alcohol give up alcohol um for menopause definitely don't be drinking too much alcohol and for IBS so I was like okay and I've always said if I had to choose between alcohol and coffee I'd always choose coffee I cannot live without coffee yeah there is no way on earth but alcohol, yes. So that's what happened, basically. I thought, you know what? This is all getting quite bad. I know we're losing the enzyme we have to process alcohol as we get older, us women. We lose, you know. I just need to try without it. So mm. that's what I did. That's amazing. It's basically following your intuition there, isn't yeah. it? Like a really deep gut um, gut instinct that you have, have to stop. Yeah. Um, wow, that's incredible. So... Uh, what did you do then when you started? So you did the 30 days. I like that. I like to try and encourage people to break their goals down in that way, actually. I think do 30 days because I in the beginning, it all feels very, very hard and very big. Um, yeah. But do 30 days with the view of extending to 100, but just set yourself that mini goal first. I really like that. What did yeah. you do to support yourself? So um, what I did, so I basically, you know, the first, I'd say the hundred, first hundred days as well. Um, what I did in the beginning was I, I was still already on Instagram looking at all Sober Curious stuff. So I looked at Sober Girls Society and all of that stuff. Um, bought a few quit lit books. I didn't realise I had a few of them on my Kindle already. So I must have I must have been thinking about it yeah. a, a few 
you know started listening to the Huberman podcast about you know there's one about alcohol and he does often talk about alcohol and other things that he talks about so it's it, I started doing that um and started um driving making sure I drove to places so I could then not drink so not yeah. that I, to be fair since I started being alcohol free I've not craved it at all yeah. I think that's the interesting thing I think there are some people that crave it and there are some people I think for me it was more about the being accepted and part of things and feeling confident it was mm-hmm. that side of things it wasn't the actual drink mm-hmm. so for me that's what I started with and obviously I found you on Instagram as well and I think I sent you a message because I thought oh I've done this but I can't imagine doing it you know this long and mm-hmm. my son's getting married this year and I'm thinking and back then I thought I can't do his wedding sober but I know I know I can oh. um so yes yeah, so that's kind of what I did in the beginning um yeah so, so how it. did you how did you manage that bit around the perception of you and almost that people pleasing side and yeah how so, did you deal with that I'm very lucky to, I think I'm quite lucky that my close friends they're very supportive and they drink but they're not big drinkers um and they're not very they wouldn't be if I say I'm not drinking, they don't go, oh, go and have one. Yeah. They're very good. There's a couple of friends that might say that, but they'll they leave it at that. Um, but they're quite good. So I had quite a few. It was quite a tough beginning for me with the sober because I had lots of stuff planned mm-hmm. because I had, I think I had a couple of concerts. I had a weekend away with the girls. Um, I had, we do this thing every year. Our friend has a boat, houseboat on the canal. And we have a big, it's like a big piss up basically. <laughs> um, and, you know, we did that sober. Um so I had quite a lot of challenges in the beginning, and but luckily everyone was great. Everyone was fine. And I remember saying to the lady that um, has the boat, I'm not drinking, um, and I'm really worried I'm going to be really boring, you know, like, and she said, oh, no, 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 not at all. You'll, you'll be fine. You've got the sort of personality that you, you don't need alcohol. And that was lovely of her because that was really encouraging. And and to be fair, on the day, I did have an IBS flare up, so I had a lot of pain, so it wasn't the ideal. But I was dancing away on top of the boat. We were dancing away, and I was sober. I was drinking... Um, Nozeko, pink Nozeko, and I was having a great time apart from oh. the stomach. Oh, um, that's amazing. Yeah. So I have been lucky in that sense. I've been yeah. lucky. Yes. Yeah. And I also think as well, um, and I also think that when you do those sorts of activities or outings and you just embrace it and push yourself out of your comfort zone, yeah. you realize actually I can have fun completely okay in fact and I think I felt that as well quite early on I was really surprised at how much more fun I was actually having just in just being present and not um just not blanking any of it or blotting any of it away and yeah I just I I really loved that feeling of being able to reflect with a clear head and look back and I've enjoyed the conversations that I've had and I've talked about meaningful things and just all the kind of stuff that I wouldn't have done as a drinker. I would have just talked oh, nonsense. Oh my God. I can't imagine. I'm a chew people's ear off when I'm a drunk. Oh my God. I'd be talking to <laughs> tell people my life story at the bar, you know, just like, no, enough of that. Yeah. So, and for me, a big thing, I think for a lot of us is the dancing. Sober. Yes. Yeah. You're sober. Like when you're a drinker and you think about dancing sober, you feel like everyone's watching you and you're very yeah. uncoordinated and you're all over the place. So that was a big one for me. But I, in my first like hundred days sober, we went to this. This is an amazing thing that they do it in London. It's a over thirties um, club night. It's called Age Against the Machine. It's fantastic, and there's these DJs and they just play the most brilliant cheesy music. And you're only allowed in if you're over thirty. Love it. And 
it was wonderful and they got a disco ball and we went out and I was sober my friends were drinking and I was just drinking lime and soda and water because it was so hot in there it was in the summer and I had the best time I was just every time a song came on I was just up and dancing and I felt like I can do this yeah wonderful and I had had a bit of a experience with that because I did a sober rave um the year before because we had went to a festival wellness festival and there's a place called morning glory villa I don't know if you've heard of them they do sober raves and there was a half past six in the morning sober rave wow so I've got there's a video of me somewhere on Instagram dancing away like sober at half past six in the morning I had a taste of it but then now I've it's like you say you're strengthening that muscle aren't you like I've done it so many times now and yes Every time I do something sober, it's a new thing. So, like, a Christmas sober was obviously, you know, interesting. But my daughter didn't touch a drop of alcohol all day. So that, yeah. she was sober on Christmas Day. And I just drank my Nozeko and I was very happy. And then we went to, on Christmas Eve, we saw my son, went to my son's house. And I brought my non-alcoholic rosé and things with me. We were having such a laugh because luckily I've got a really good relationship with my ex, my children's father. Mm. So they, he was there with his wife. We were all there. And we had such a laugh. I had to say about four times to my son, are you sure I'm drinking the non-alcoholic? Because I was laughing so much. I felt like I was almost drunk. Yeah. But it was just having such a good time. And it just makes you think, I don't need the alcohol. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, I think when you get those first kind of really deep belly laugh moments in sobriety, it's just all the lights flick on, I think, in that situation. And it feels so special, doesn't it? It's just like, this is really it. I I don't know. It's rare, I think, in all the time that I was drinking. Don't get me wrong. I I, I did have many good times and fun times, and especially with friends and things. But there is just something so pure and magic about really laughing and just like really having a good time. Like you said, um, dancing sober in sobriety when you do this I I danced on my wedding day sober and I was I mean I was literally the last person up there I was loving it I had so much energy I just didn't care I loved it I loved it so much I could literally shout that from the rooftop like I love that no I think that's that's a big one and I think as, as well I love karaoke so for me I've just done karaoke sober a few days ago um and that was a new one on me but again just got up started singing started dancing and I think you wouldn't have been able to tell I wasn't drinking not that you know but I was just having the best time yes. um, and yeah. the best bit for me is waking up the next morning and, oh totally you know I was up I remember I posted about it I was up and I, I got up early which for me I get up at five o'clock most mornings for work so like for me eight o'clock seven o'clock is a lion so I'd got up I'd had a lion I'd taken the dog out I'd meditated I'd had a cold shower I'd done it all oh. all this amazing stuff for my wellness by like 10 o'clock in the morning and I felt wow like I felt so yeah. good well you know if you were drinking the night before you would I'd be still in a pile in my bed yeah. like oh so yeah that's the flip side of it you know yeah you get to have the fun the genuine fun where you're actually not being like under the influence of anything else just you're having genuine fun but then the next day you wake up and you can just bound out of bed and you can do things yeah Yeah. you can go yeah and it's like this morning I got up and it was lovely because um I took my little one to nursery and I drove down to the harbour and I did my 5k because I'm trying to do my two week did my 5k really pushed myself so I was sort of out of breath at the end of it I got my husband had walked because he's just had surgery so he just had a, a, a walk and um got in the car 
uh, driving home and it was 8.59 and I thought, done all of that before nine o'clock would never have happened. Yeah, and never I, happened as a Yeah, I think that motivation for me, it's no, there's no surprise. I got, I got myself a new job last year while I was sober. I went looking for a new job and got interviewed and got a new job. So I don't, I don't think that's a surprise. I think that's definitely yes. from my feeling, you know, I feel yeah. genuinely from feeling motivated and confident in myself without anything to make me feel that way. Um, and also our house, like we, we've been trying to sort our house out for so long. Like this, I'm sitting in our spare room now. The spare room used to be a dumping ground and I never had the, you know, energy or like you just wanted to sit and have a drink in the evening. But now we're like sorting out, we've literally sorted out the whole house and we're about to decorate. And I'm so motivated and like, this would never have happened if I was drinking. I, I know it's not a coincidence. I can feel it. I can feel yes. that I'm actually participating in my life now rather than just yeah. sitting on the sidelines and drinking and or waiting till I can get that drink. Because I never was, you know, my dad, bless him, brandy in his tea in the morning, he'd have the shakes, proper alcoholic. Mm. I wouldn't say I was ever a problematic drinker in that sense, mm. but I definitely couldn't wait to get that glass of wine when I was stressed, mm. or, you mm. know. Yeah, I always think about, and I'm I'm the same as well. I I personally don't I identify with the word alcoholic, um, and it's just yeah, for me, it's not it's not something I connect with, and I do understand why people do connect with it, but it just wasn't for me. But um, I just felt like I was living at below average. Yeah, and it yeah. and it and it's kind exactly of like, it. why am I doing this? Mm. So now I feel like I'm in optimal phase. I'm just. Yeah. I'm really, really enjoying life and enjoying investing in my health and well-being and and in my house and decorating and all those things. It's just nice to to have those sorts of experiences and it brings joy. And even yeah. if it's a little bit of joy, it brings joy. Like I can't wait to go out the weekend and do a little bit of spring gardening. Really looking forward to it. So it's, something gives me so much pleasure. Um, but and I will do that feeling 100% as well because that's my predictable now that I just wake up at 100% unless I'm poorly which is quite rare or tired yeah I'm quite tired a lot but that's I think as after five o'clock starts I think probably is yeah and that's quite early um, yeah you're right you're like optimal you're like it's sort of super powered almost supercharged yes. yeah above average I feel above average every day like yeah for sure um, and I think we just get used to feeling below average and that yeah. just becomes our norm because that's just what we do. You know, it's all that that narrative. You can see how we all just get just got caught up and kind of trapped mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What was there anything that was uh, really tricky for you or is there anything that is what's been difficult work, yeah yeah working so in the beginning I think like I said to you the longevity of it I felt like this doesn't feel like something I can do it for a while but don't know if I could do it forever like wow yeah right now six months seven months down the line I feel like I probably can do it forever I'm, I'm very much don't want to say anything absolute because you never know what's around the corner but I don't I can't imagine I don't feel like I want it like if you were to ask me over these 221 days when have you fancied some alcohol I'd say not one of those days yeah um just so for me I think it's been the feeling left out not feeling on the same level as people Mm. um so I went away with the girls for the weekend and as they're not big drinkers but you know we were away for the weekend we had a hot tub um we were in the hot tub they'd had a few bubblies in the hot tub I had a non-alcoholic something and then went for dinner and they were drinking the wine and as the evening progressed they were getting more and more drunk and they were talking absolute nonsense like I love them dearly but oh my god Absolutely. And I felt so out of it. I was just like, this is absolute nonsense. And because I was away with them, 
I think in other situations you can just leave. I think it's a really good idea just to leave when you feel like you're not yeah. at that level. Drunk people are not that fun to be around when you're sober. It's just a fact, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was waiting for them. I was like waiting for them to finish their wines and they were having some argument about something random. Not a big argument, but they were just, you know, having a debate and it was a drunken debate. It made no sense, but I was just sat there like, okay. <laughs> that for me is, is the biggest one. And as I said, I keep going about fun Bobby, but really the fun Bobby thing, it does worry me because I don't want people to think I'm boring and I don't think I'm a boring person. Um, but you do wonder like, you know, am I going to be really dull? And so I've started saying like um, to people when they say like, oh, we're going to do this. And my partner will say, oh, I'll bring the booze. And I'll say, I'll bring my sparkling personality because, you know, I'm just like, I'm not fun Bobby. Like I know I'm just as yeah. much fun without it. Yeah. Um, that's difficult um, but I'm getting over that now I feel like I've come over the yeah. that um but also just having to ask answer the questions like mm. oh so how long are you doing this for what what made you do this or um oh wow you know oh my god so admirable like, I couldn't do it and I, which is lovely I'm not having a go but I just feel like why is it such a thing you're under the spotlight aren't you why is it such a thing like I went away we went away our um, my partner's parents treated all of the family to a lovely weekend away, a beautiful hotel, beautiful. But obviously everyone, everyone, apart from one of the teenage and the boys and the children were drinking. Everyone was drinking. So I was the only one. Um, and it was, you know, one person maybe asked me, oh, how, how's it going? And how do you, how are you finding it? And that was fine. Um, but you do feel when they start getting, people start getting a bit more drunk, you do feel a bit out of it, don't you still? So, mm, yeah. Um, I I think for me, um, relating to that, I think that took me a while to get past that. Um, and I can, I can hand on my heart say that probably only really, really recently now, I think probably from my wedding actually, because there were, I know there were friends that thought, yeah, but you'll have a drink on your wedding, surely. No, I definitely won't. (laughs) But, But um, but but having such a wonderful time on my wedding, uh, I think that really cemented it for me. But it was a while in, you know, I was over was two and a half years in by that. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Um, I now I feel special not drinking. I feel like the special one, but yeah. I do think it takes some time to get there. And that's OK. That's OK. You just need to maybe that evidence cup just needs a little bit more evidence. That's all. It's bigger. That's it. It's a pint glass. Yeah, it's only been seven months. And, you know, I'm already feeling a little bit better about it. But I think it is just trying to, and it's reprogramming my thinking about socializing when sober because, you know, and it's little things that chips away, like dancing. I've done tick, you know, all these events like Christmas, you know, Christmas family weekend away, you know, and like people are very much, oh, you're going to drink at your son's wedding. Well, no, I don't think I am because, Mm -hmm. but people just assume you will. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I think that's really only been the difficult part. Everyone's been supportive. I've got very supportive friends and family. Um, my partner's a bit big drinker, um, not like an alcoholic or anything, but he's ex-military, so he knows how to drink. The boy can drink. Um, he can put away a few pints and not even feel the effects. Um, that's tr- tricky as well. Yeah, um, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Um, so I can smell it. The thing is, I can really smell it now. Like, he came home the other night. He'd only had a few pints, but the bedroom just smelled of beer. Mm. I could smell it coming out of his pores. I was like, oh. But he has reduced a lot. Like he doesn't drink at home hardly at all now. And because I'm not drinking and I think I was probably the bad influence because I'd go and get a bottle of wine and get him a couple of beers and he might not plan on drinking that night, but then we would. Or I'd get him beers and he'd be like planning on going to the gym, but be like, oh, I've had a beer now, I'll stay home. And so I think I was quite a bad influence in a way. 
But that's great. But then when he does drink, I notice it. Not that he gets very drunk because he can take it. He's a big guy. But I do notice he starts talking crap and I'm like, oh, God. And that's quite difficult. Because, mm. um, you know, and I can hear him slurring. I'm like, oh, God. Oh. And that's what I must have sounded like. But he's so supportive and I just have to let him do his thing and leave it at that. You know, not everyone can be sober. You know, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's really good. That's a good attitude. This is your journey, isn't it? So that's, yeah. Um, Yeah. I love that as well when you mentioned about um, the is this forever? That is such a difficult question to answer. Uh, And I like to flip that now on its head and say, instead of asking the question, am I going to not drink forever? Ask, how long do I want to feel great? And that's it. So I just kind of like to reverse that question a little bit. Yeah, so it's like flip that. it on its head. Don't like, is it forever? Or you're going to go down a dark hole with those sort of thoughts. How long am I willing to feel this good? Or how long do I want to feel this great? That's brilliant. I love that. Um, Taking that. <laughs> so, um, so in terms of um, the tips that you would have then, uh, what would you say were the biggest tools for you in terms of what tips you would give other people? Tips. Yeah, so I think these are probably people have said these. I mean, nothing. There's nothing groundbreaking here, probably from me, but it's um, if you can. I think for me personally, the alcohol-free alternatives have been a, a godsend. Uh, I know they're not for everyone; they can be triggering. So obviously, that's not a great tip for some people. But for me, it's been having a nice one of those drinks in a nice glass, even if it isn't one of those drinks, even if it's just like a ginger beer or a. Mm. I love the rose lemonade. If you put it like in a nice glass with a bit of garnish it just feels fancy and nice yeah um, and I have a friend she's because of her religion she doesn't drink she's never drank and she's always asking she always asks when we go out anywhere and I have it in a nice glass with a garnish and they give it to her and she loves it because it oh. makes it nice yeah so for me that's a big one um because I, I don't always want to just drink diet coke or no, yes water. I drink a lot of water all day long so when I'm yes. going somewhere different so and there's uh, so many options now I mean it blows my mind how yeah. how much this area has grown and alcohol free yes amazing yeah, yeah I'm, I'm experimenting I've got quite a few different ones out I've, I've ordered and things I'm experimenting with a few things um nice got a few lovely bottles of um, non-alcoholic fizz that my colleagues got me for Christmas it's so thoughtful they got me some yeah. lovely things um so I'm gonna try those out um so that's one thing and then I think the other one is and again I said it's you know this is something a lot of people do but absorbing everything like I'm I love to like when I'm I'm a bit like you said earlier like I get into something and I'm really into it like I uh, so for me it's like listening to the listen to your pod I listen to all your podcasts now like I have to wait every week for the new <laughs> because I've listened I binge them um listen to various I think yours is the one I go back to the most but there are other sober ones I do listen to uh sober awkward's quite a good one but um and uh, Huberman lab and I like to think you know get all the knowledge I've got all the books so I've read, you know, The Joy of Being Sober and I've read The Sober Diaries and I'm reading The Radically Sober now, which is very interesting. Very oh. good. Um, and I've got a, The Alcohol, How Alcohol Affects Your Brain. I've got that book on my uh, Audible. I haven't got to that yet. So I try and read a bit of that every day. So I've been yeah. trying to read a bit of that every day um, and listen to the podcasts. And it's helped so much because reading everyone's stories or listen to people on your podcast, everyone's different. Everyone's got a different story. Um, and I think there are, have been a few like myself that haven't had a massive problem with drinking as such, but they have realised it's problematic for them and they just don't want to do it anymore. And I think it's important to 
that's why I wanted to come on because I think it's important to hear those stories as well as the people that have had a really big problem or have been an alcoholic because you know you don't identify with it otherwise do you And you think mm. oh and people do say to you I think it was in your post earlier it, like people might think oh you're being a bit over the top why you don't need to stop drinking you're not an alcoholic yeah I, I just don't why can't I just not want to do it why can't um, I just not absolutely. want to do it you yes. know yes uh, but for me, reading about it, learning about it, and I'm still trying to get, I mean, the science stuff, I do love a bit of science, but it is very complicated. But um, It is. <laughs> it's very complicated, but it is fascinating. And I think, yeah. again, being a healthcare professional, I'm thinking, I don't want Alzheimer's. And there's a specific kind of dementia you get when you've drank too much. It's called Korsakoff's. And I don't want that. Um, and you know that the more alcohol you drink, the more at risk you are. And I don't want my brain to be functioning. I want my body to be functioning, but I want to be, mm-hmm. I don't mind being a little bit of a crazy old lady, but I want to be, you know, with it. A fit crazy old lady. <laughs> a fit crazy old lady. So yeah, so for me that, you know, learning about that, has, it's been an eye opener. And yeah. it does, just, again, I talk about the muscle, but it strengthens that muscle, doesn't it? Because it does. you're filling up, you're filling up your cup, like you said, with, oh, I can have fun. So but you're also filling it up with reasons not to drink. And there yeah. are so or in this column not to then there are two for me it's maybe making a fake confidence or a false confidence and trying to feel like I'm fun mm. or you've got a b c d e so many not to drink so for me it just it weighs itself and I'm like this outweighs that so much yes um and that's my third tip actually my other tip is is thinking about your why which we talked about all the way through but my why is you know I don't want to I don't want to be ill in my elderly years I don't want to um, you know, I want to have a healthy, fit life. And at, at 40, you start to, I think you do start to question your mortality, you start to realise you're not going to be here forever. And, you know, like I said, I don't want to have my life chronic illness. I've seen too many people over the years, not all of it's induced by alcohol, but it's a part of it for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels like if I'm going to be fit and healthy, then I need that has to go. So that's my why. That's my why, because it's, I want to live a long life. And I think because I've started young, I might be a great, great grandmother one day because yeah. I, you know, my son, like I'm, you know, I was 18 when I had him. So, yeah. you know, I want the, like, that's for me is a big one. Um, yeah. So I want this part of my life to be the part where I'm not sozzled and I'm actually clear headed and healthy. Yeah, that's absolutely lovely. And, and that's a big enough reason. Yeah, I think so absolutely is and I appreciate you so much to you know telling your story because I'm the same I feel passionate about reassuring people that you don't have to have a really really you know big and inverted commas problem with alcohol just to quit just to stop just just to decide you know what this doesn't work for me anymore and actually I want to feel better than below average and and that they're good enough reasons and people say oh we'll just have it every now and then no no but I I don't work in that way and so and and so I I know how I work actually Mm -hmm. and so I know that this is what I need to do and I say that very easily now but in the beginning that that was a difficult conversation to have and I didn't know how to navigate those conversations but um I feel like you you gain so much momentum and strength in sobriety if you do the work 
Okay. Oh, yes. You know, the podcast, the learning, immersing yourself in all of the information and reframing things and also working on other aspects of your uh, wellness and mental health and learning about yourself and reading self books and all that stuff, just being really interested in being your best self, essentially. That's it. Exactly. Like you say, your optimal self and feeling your feelings, not trying to hide them like right. feeling I have all the I've got all the feelings my partner says I'm like this like constantly yeah. like, yeah. like this. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I feel all the feelings now but I don't feel like I have to have a drink to stop them I just let them come and they go and yeah I feel amazing I must say I feel amazing so oh that's so cool and how's the anxiety in things is that yeah so um, that was a lot better once I went on to my medications but then I've also gone on to HRT now which is um very exciting I had to beg my GP for it but that's a whole other a whole other story but that I think with coupled with the giving up drinking, my partner says you're like a new you're like a new person. You're like wow. so new. not different, but he says you're like a completely different woman. You're not the woman I met, but in the way that when I met him, I was being that person, but alcohol was making me that person. So I was it was yeah. false. Yes. I am that person, but that was fake because I was underneath I was an anxious mess. But mm-hmm. now I've come through that, I'm working on that. I'm not an anxious mess. I'm feeling like the person I should be but mm. I don't need the alcohol to make you that person that yeah. confident, bubbly all those things where he that I am the woman he met but this is actually me rather than yeah me How trying rewarding. to it's, that's it, amazing. It feels great. It feels great. That's, that's absolutely amazing. And yeah, you're doing brilliantly. Like you've given yourself the you've best. You've been a big help. Oh, you. Your podcast has been amazing. Oh, that really, really, really makes me happy to hear that. Um, I love this podcast so much and I'm so proud of it. And yeah, I I do. But I feel like everybody that comes on, you know, they're all a part of the success as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's lovely that we get to just be real and vulnerable and unafraid it takes a lot to come on this podcast and put yourself out there we were talking about that scary. Before. Yeah, yeah yeah before we went live um but you've done it and your story will probably help to shape someone else's journey that's that's why I'm, I'm doing it because I feel like there are people out there probably very similar to me that may just identify with it and then that might help oh yeah. so um if you're open to sharing where mm. can we find you how can we follow your journey so I just need to check how it's it's on on my thing. So it's I'm I'm crazy all the animals lady, <laughs> but it's crazy underscore all the animals underscore lady. <laughs> so crazy underscore all, all the animals. The animals underscore underscore lady lady. I'm not just a crazy cat lady or dog lady. I've decided I'm a crazy everything because I just love all animals. So that's why I've changed my Instagram handle so many times. (laughs) That's the one you can find me on. Thank you for that. Um, I'm, yeah, I don't actually write show notes. Other podcasts that are a lot more professional than mine, (laughs) they do a really good job of writing out all these show notes and putting all these links. But I do this podcast on top of my full-time job and being a parent. I just never have the time. So apologies apologies to who's listening, but you can always um, DM me on Instagram if you have questions about something that you felt like you missed in a podcast. Um, But otherwise, please follow at crazy underscore all animals underscore lady. There we go. Just to say it's not a sober account. It is just my personal account. 
but it's very much there's a lot of sober stuff on there but it's also about you know or I say I'm like I love all the woo-woo stuff so I love you know a bit of like yoga and and meditation and animals and festivals and all of that stuff it's just it's an amalgamation of everything that you know brings me joy yeah and sometimes people just like to reach out and just say a personal you know hello or thank you and actually if you mentioned about wellness festivals have you ever heard of feel the verve no so look up that um that's in it's in wiltshire um is this the one you're doing a talk yes i'm doing a talk at it which is a bit crazy but um, amazing it's a a three-day festival it's like a mini glastonbury it's got meditation it's got basically all the stuff that you're amazing i think on the friday they've got a bit of a rave as well going on um and i'm doing a talk on the 16th saturday 16th yeah so that that's you know i'm going to be pushing myself out of my comfort zone there because i've never done that before but might see you there because that just sounds like i'm looking for one i'm looking for another wellness festival myself and my friend are looking so yeah that's a good tip thank you all right thank you so much joe it was absolutely lovely to get to know you (laughs) yeah thank you (laughs) no you were perfect and thank you so much your story and um yeah all the very best with your exams and all the things that you've got coming up and yeah keep in touch (laughs) yeah we'll do take care Uh, take care and thank you to everybody else Bye. bye thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.